Hello, everybody. It's Sean here from Cycle Systems. Welcome to Cycle Systems Online Podcast, episode 192. So I'm really thrilled to speak to you today about my favorite topic, internal routing. It's something that's divided mechanics, not so much divided mechanics against the rest of the cycling world, possibly, since they came out. Um, you remember those old Klein bikes, I think, were one of the first really mass-produced bikes with internal routing. Of course, we've all seen bikes going way, way back to the 60s and beyond, the odd cable stuffed inside a tube. But unfortunately for us as consumers of bikes, around about 2010, 2011, some very annoying engineers and marketing people in bike brands start thinking with road bikes, wouldn't it be great to start hiding the cables inside the frame? Don't know what a cable is, mate. Maybe an Australian cable. And essentially, this was when bikes had mechanical gears all across the board, pretty much. They had rim brakes all across the board, pretty much. Mountain bikes in those early days were still gloriously externally rooted. And wasn't until a few years later, people started chucking stuff inside of mountain bikes. And very annoyingly, and I know this because I recently worked on a bike of that kind of era, what would tend to happen is the housing would stop at the entry into the tube, a bit like a cable stop on an externally routed bike. The bare cable would run inside the frame and then pop out at some later point in order to be attached to some housing and then to the mech or the brake. And... There's varying degrees of success with the engineering of those, but it essentially slowed us down as bike mechanics, added complexity and hassle to the, the work, and didn't necessarily benefit the cust customer, the consumer in any way whatsoever. Things have got pretty much better for mechanical gear cables, at least since then. I mean, in terms of brakes, cable brakes have been almost completely blown out the water now. You're going to be very lucky to find anything other than the cheapest of children's bikes with any sort of cable brakes. So everything has got disc brakes now, pretty much all hydraulic disc brakes. But God's sake, bike industry, if you want everyone on disc brakes, maybe make some straight disc rotors. Just saying, little aside there. But moving on from that, the internal routing for mechanical cables has got pretty good because manufacturers have just got an entire line of housing going all the way through the frame and it really makes it nice and simple and easy to swap out cables especially on e-bikes do you remember the first um commercially successful e-bikes where you would have your bosch motor or shimano steps motor and again this bare cable running through to the rear mech so you'd have to drop the motor out of the bike just to change the cable and in fact julia co-director at cycle systems has one of those bikes and it's very annoying so at least these days when you're swapping out cables on e-bikes and all sorts of other bikes you can do it nice and easily um, with the inner the housing going inside the frame still a bit of a pain Certainly some of the e-bikes I've been working on, like the Stromers, you're dismantling a tremendous amount of the bike in order to get to the housing and get it through. And essentially, that's just a cost to the consumer. But when we're talking about internal routing nowadays on 
acoustic bikes and increasingly on e-bikes, we're talking about hydraulic lines, electronic wires, although thank you, wireless shifting. And, in, you know, still there's still plenty, plenty, plenty of mechanical shifted bikes out there. And, of course, with e-bikes, you've got all of the light wires. You've got scent, brake sensor wires. You've got many, many wires, up to 10 or 12 on some of the Class 3, the 45K an hour e-bikes. But essentially, they'd love to run all this stuff through the handlebars, through the stem, through the middle of the um, head tube bearings often. And essentially, what I've been noticing working on these is not only what an absolute pain this is. Um, Specialized, for example, I was building the Levo. Was it Levo? Not Levo. It was the Como SL uh, bike out the box the other day. And specialized build video said, expect to take four hours on your first build of this, which is mental. And most of it is getting the uh, wires and such through the handlebar, which doesn't have adequate space, doesn't have nice um, ferrules and such to remove from the bar. There's just a hole, you know. So absolute nightmare of a bike to, to work on and to build. But what we're seeing is everything going internal and i've noticed this is all looking pretty cheap this is all looking pretty nasty you know when we were building a, a road bike say in 2011 2012 2013 there's no way that that even a, a 2k road bike there's no k that bike would have plastic stem spaces would it absolutely no way there'd be aluminium or preferably and probably carbon. What we're seeing now with all of these supposedly aero proprietary front ends is the specialist oval spacers with all the little teeth in to mesh together are almost universally made of plastic. They look terrible. Often they're made in such a cheap and nasty way. They don't mesh together particularly nicely. And this might be on a five thousand dollar bmc frame and fork combo so what i'm seeing stuff is that stuff that looks bad that feels bad which doesn't even work as it could do at the material it's made from but also the design itself is quite poor so e-bikes where you have got 10 or 12 wires or cables or lines going through the stem going through the frame and it's all a little bit too short, so you've got barely enough room to work with this stuff. And it's something I've noticed again and again is stuff's getting cheaper and it's getting nastier and consumers are paying more. Now, you can blame lots of things on that. There's been increased cost of shipping. There's been increased cost of manufacturing. The entire just-in-time, completely mental um, supply chain broke down you know, during covid and essentially, there's all of these reasons why, you know, raw material costs, etc. There's all these more reasons why people are getting less for their money. Also, bike brands, you know, do have to supply a wide variety of models to a relatively low um, amount of market, say, compared to motorbike manufacturers who've got one size, one model, and they can sell worldwide. But even so, there was something not quite stacking up. Why is my 2011 look 
look far more classy when it cost half the price or a third of the price of a 2023 road bike. And there was a great undercover mechanic article in Cycling Weekly, sometimes I think a bit unfairly called the comic by um, old school British cyclists. Um, I've got a lot of fun out of Cycling Weekly over the years. The undercover mechanic isn't me, by the way, isn't anyone I know, but he or she is absolutely on the money on this article. It was called The Hidden Costs of Internal Cables. Now, it brought light to me to exactly what I was thinking and probably what you've been thinking as well was that, well, we hired all of these cables and wires and hydraulic lines inside the handlebars to either make it more aerodynamic or, in the case of the e-bikes, just supposedly to make it look nicer, although that's very, very subjective and unarguable. I think it's just for some design idiot to go, well, it's modern. It's progress. In fact, someone said that to me the other day, is I like progress, so I like my cables internal. As if making something different is progress in and of itself. You know, I think we need to gauge progress by its merits, not just the fact it hasn't been done before. Same with self-driving cars and, 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 but don't get me started on that. So what the undercover mechanic said is, okay, well, first of all, all of the reasons for internal routing are arguable. But one of the disadvantage, of course, apart from the fact that the if you have got a mechanical cable, it's almost certainly going to perform worse than one that's routed externally. A good example of this is simply the older Shimano shifters where the gear cable just came out the side of the shifter, uh, like a little washing line, you know, outside your bike. That was a really nice routing, you know, where the cable didn't get bent at all and very low friction routing. And certainly compared to modern Shimano cable-operated shifters on road bikes, there were no broken cables on a regular basis. It's what, what we see now due to the torturous routing, just to make the cables firstly go underneath the bar tape and now inside the handlebar. Ah, don't get me started on that at all. But essentially, what we have here for the bike manufacturers is a far, far higher cost in manufacture because labor is always the biggest cost for everyone. And to have these bikes built wherever they're built, and I am going to do another podcast about where was you bike, your bike built and the ethical considerations of that, you know, the kind of conditions people might be in. But whatever conditions they're in, the labor cost is pretty much always the biggest cost. So essentially to build these silly bikes that no one actually asked for anyway is the fact they're going to have to save money elsewhere because they've spent more on the labor. So of course you're going to have a drop in quality of everything else. So what you have is a headset bearing that is going to cost absolutely a huge amount more for labor to replace and you're often getting the cheapest nastiest most unsealed headset bearing in the first place because the brand is trying to save money you're also going to get the cheapest nastiest headset with the poorest ceiling because the brand is going to try and save money so as the undercover mechanic says you got a nice endura bearing throw it in dual labyrinth seals packed with good quality grease you're probably good to go.
but there's not a single bike shop in the world that's going to pull one of these bikes out the box and then spend what two hours three hours four hours ripping everything out rebuilding it all with the new endura bearings bleeding the brakes and 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 you just want to knock it out because no one's actually paying you for the labor time to build the bike out the box that's absorbed into your margin on selling the bike i remember hearing on the nerd alert podcast back when it was the nerd alert podcast from an american bike shop and they said they didn't make any money selling high-end bikes you know there was so many discounts and so much labor charge etc they were making their money selling cliff bars and trail maps mad absolutely mad so essentially what you have then is you have consumers buying a bike which maybe at first glance looks a little bit more futuristic i remember guys wally was set in the future right maybe looking a little bit more futuristic than something from 2010 or 11 with a few external wires and cables but it's an absolute liability it's a liability liability to the consumer because they're going to end up spending a lot more money in labor time here in switzerland 150 to 175 bucks is standard per hour for labor time and you know probably even if it's half that where you are in the UK, the average labor cost for a bike mechanic is 65 per hour. If you've got a three hour job for something that used to be a 10 minute job, the consumers are not going to be happy. And certainly if there's a cost of living crisis and people are feeling the pinch in terms of money, that's going to lead to really strained customer relations, which is where it's a strain for the bike shop. And there might be pressure for the bike shop to absorb some of that labor time just to keep people happy. And there's been a lot of chat about that again on the dial up your cycle tech skills group. Now, again, imagine you've bought yourself a road bike and your knee hurts or your back hurts. And you're like, people have been talking about bike fit. Well, guess what? The bike fitters now, again, are going to have to massively increase their rates to actually set up your bike as it needs to be set up maybe for the you know for for five mil up or down on the stem or 10 mil or 20 mil in stem length or what have you so it really is not something that any of us are benefiting from i'm certainly not convinced that the consumers walking into the bike shop would even notice if this went away in fact i'm completely convinced that they would maybe be more likely to buy a bike that was not built in this way if they were educated as to that was the case so i'd encourage you all of you listening if you work in the bike industry educate your customers as to what's out there and what the real cost of ownership of that bike is going to be and the potential issues are going to be if you're a keen cyclist, speak to your friends, say, hey, I listen to Sean's podcast, Cycle Systems. This is what they were saying. What do you think of this? And as much as possible, we need to pressure the industry, you know. And we were speaking to the specialized rep at our store at the end of last year, talking about these Como SL bikes. And the rep said, yeah, we've been getting a lot of that. The new model's going to be different. So brands do listen. We've got the return of the threaded bottom bracket. It's a bit like getting vinyl back, isn't it? Although it's not £5 a record like it used to be. 
Um, will we ever get rim brakes and um, mechanical gears back across the board? No, of course not. But we can offset some of the quite serious problems the bike industry is trying to throw at us and maybe encourage them to design real bikes for real people. Anyway, bit of a ranty one, but I had to get that off my chest. Thanks for listening. Join us at Cycle Systems Online on Facebook, on Instagram, all the rest of it. Come to dial up your cycle tech skills if you want to join our community group on Facebook. Chat to me, chat to all our wonderful friends. Until then, see you next week. Bye-bye.